Good morning, Spirit of Prophecy Church and internet audience. It's February 12th, 2023, Super Bowl Sunday. You can see me and Suni have our referee shirts on, so we didn't pick sides. <laughs> Let me introduce to you a anointed speaker, Danny Miller is going to bring statutes, laws, and commandments. This is an awesome teaching. Father in heaven, I just thank you for my brother. I ask you to give him the anointing and let him say what he's supposed to say, not say what he's supposed to say, and let the people receive it, and that they will be able to take it home and function and build the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. There you go, brother. You want to do me one favor? Would you hand me that rascal? Yeah, the, the yeah, thank That'd you. The clicker. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Lou. And as he said, today's is statute, laws, commandments. That's the topic we're going to be, or I'm going to be presenting. And before we get started, hello, Pastor, uh, Pastor Stan, and hello, Prophet Leslie. Just in case you're watching today. All right. Yeah. And David, not getting. A deal well what we're going to be doing there we go we're going to first look at this slide Psalm 19 7 8 and I want you to really kind of focus on what's in red because this verse this is one of the verses I have on my 3 by 5 index cards which is part of my memory cards collection as I call it and I had actually read this a number of times before as I went through it, but this one particular day, there were some things that really kind of leaped out. And there's two things in speci specifically. As I read this, look at what's in red, because that's where you'll see the two things. And this, this actually, when I read it and saw this, it's like, you know, this might be a good teaching possibly. And this teaching that I'll do today and then on March 12th all stems from some revelations I got off this verse. So again, as I read it, look at what is in red and see if you come up with the same conclusions I did. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the law is pure, enlightening the eyes. So let me go now to the red. There's two, notice that converting is right after the comma. So that is coupled with perfect. Testimony is sure, making the wise simple. We have our right, right after that rejoicing and then we have pure right after that enlightening there's your first one what we're seeing here i submit to you for your consideration we're seeing a cause and effect or as an if then principle so perfect is causing converting the soul the testimony is sure making the wise simple Statues are right. The, re, re, the effect is rejoicing. And pure is causing enlightening. So there's a cause and effect. 
Now, if you look at converting, simple, rejoicing, and enlightening, there's the second deal. What do all those four words have in common? They're positive emotions. They're positive effects. So what this verse is showing us, and it's the thesis of this whole presentation, I'm going to try to show you through the scriptures that we need laws, we need statutes, and we need commandments. Because by following and observing statutes, laws, and commandments, we're actually going to increase, deepen, and strengthen our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. It, I submit to you that it's a natural byproduct of following the statute, laws, and commandments. But, but, there's a catch. There's a catch here. You may not see it in this verse, but probably within the next two verses you will. Now, to help strengthen my argument that statute, laws, and commandments are a good thing, let's take a look at the next two slides. Well, I'll use this slide. There should have been another slide before this one. This is in a graph, a pie-shaped form. The one before it, that I'm not sure why it's not there, uh, is in a table form. And the point of it is this. Look at, and you'll notice in the brown, the Old Testament, and then the light brown is New Testament. Notice that statutes, and the plural or the singular, which is statute, there's nothing in the New Testament that uses that word. All right. If you look at laws in the Old Testament, it's mentioned 336 times in the New Testament, 212. And if you look at commandments, it is in the Old, uh, Old Testament, 389 in the New Testament, 112. So I think you would agree with me that just looking at these numbers, this is a subject that's very relevant. The Bible has a lot to say about statutes, laws, and commandments. Now, another thing I thought was interesting is the fact that you, the commandments are, as, are, not, are um, actually laws are mentioned more than anything else. Now, one thing you're going to notice is that in some of the verses we're looking at, statute, laws, commandments are all used in that one or two verses. Sometimes the statute, those words, only two of those words are used, and in other cases, only one of those words are used. There seems to be uh, an interchangeability of the, or meaning of these terms. And I thought that was interesting. And so the thought came to me, well, what caused the Bible writers to decide which law word to use? Could it be there was something in the definition of the word that helped to de them to determine which word would use? So one of the things I did, and here we have statutes. We're going to first talk about statutes. So what is a statute? What's the definition of a statute? The enactment of, leg of a legislation 
expressed in the formal document. That fits real good with the Old Testament. Because think about it. How was salvation primarily accomplished in the Old Testament? Through laws and statutes. We didn't have Jesus back there, did we? So that is how righteousness was imputed to people. So that fits real well. The enactment of a legislation expressed in the formal document. The formal document in the Old Testament is basically the first five books of the Bible. That's especially Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. That's almost all of laws that God gave to the leaders about how those people were supposed to live. So the first one we're going to do, look at, is Leviticus 25, 18. Wherefore, you shall do my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and you shall dwell in the land in safety. Again, we have a cause. What's the cause? That they do the statutes, they keep the judgments, and do them. So if they do them, how that happens? They dwell the land in safety. All right, so there's your cause, there's your effect. Now, just because it's in Leviticus, Leviticus, does that mean it doesn't apply to us? Nope, don't mean that at all. Because there's a principle here. There's a principle here. And that is if you, and notice the word my. What's the my referred to? refers to God. Hmm. That loophole kind of starting to make sense now? Starting to make sense? It's if you do my statutes, here's the effect. You're going to dwell in the land of safety. This nation should do a little more reading of that verse, don't you think? Don't you think? Deuteronomy. 4, 5. Behold, I have taught you your statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should go do so in the land, whether you go to possess it. Now again, this was written in the Old Testament, and this is at a period of time where, uh, if I am remember correctly, the Jewish nation has left uh, Egypt, and they're wandering around in the desert. But what he's telling them is that no matter where you go, if you follow my statutes and judgments, wherever you go, you're going to possess it. Now, most of y'all who have watched me and heard me over the years know that I always look at things in a time aspect. Then say how long it took, right? It says you're going to possess it, but he didn't tell them when. It could have been the next day. It could have been 100 years. Now, in, the, in their case, it took them 40 before they finally got to realize the promise here. And that's something we can also learn. Regardless of what that promise may be, whatever that direction or guidance that you're getting from God don't get all bent out of shape if it doesn't happen next day or in the next week. All right? It's, it's, sometimes it takes time. <laughs> it takes time. 
And one another thing here, look at, I wish I'd done this. Look at that word taught. Hmm. Kind of also applies, doesn't it? Why do we have Sunday school and, and, and a church and a service? So we can be taught. So we can learn from others who have taken the time to research a topic, and we can learn from them. All right? And, and we're going to see that word taught or another form of that word teach a lot in some of these verses. And I've now the conclusion it is a Christian responsibility. I didn't really think this way until really I did this, worked on this. We have a responsibility to teach others, flat out. We have a responsibility. When the opportunity presents itself, we should never back down from expressing the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? Doesn't matter if you get rebuffed. Doesn't matter if they say, go, leave me alone. Okay, fine. But you fulfilled what you needed to do, and that's the word taught. We have a responsibility. And yes, we have a responsibility to teach our children, not the government. It is our responsibility. Just be, in, in terms of the church, you know, when I first started at this church, it was pretty sparse, and there was no such thing as young children. You know, it was a kind of foreign thing for us for a long, long time. Now we got a whole room full. And it's not only just the parents, but we're responsible to helping the parents and aiding them to teach those children. We need to be teaching. And this nation also needs to look at this verse so that we'll stay a strong nation. Another one, Deuteronomy 4.40. Notice here we have the word statutes and commandments. Again, there's, there's an interchangeability here. Thou shalt keep, therefore, his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee these day, that it may go well with thee and at, with thy children after thee, and thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Again, now here, there's a couple of things that are promised that goes well, all right? Now, I mean, we've got to be real, too. It doesn't mean it's going to necessarily go well every day of your life. Trust me. Uh, if you want proof, just give me 30 minutes. I'll give you lots. But it doesn't, but eventually it is. Eventually, it's going to work out in your favor, it will go well with thee. And notice that there's an increase of life in there. That's what it's saying. Mayest prolong thy days upon the earth. Do you want to live a long life? Well, do what he says. Keep those statutes. Keep those commandments. Because if you do, this verse is telling you, you might have some life added. Remember in the Old Testament, one of the kings I don't remember which one it was, but he, what the prophet, I want to say Samuel, but that just keeps popping up, wanted to, which, it was Isaiah, all right? 
Now, you didn't hear Bill, but basically he said Hezekiah had asked for more years, and the Isaiah, the prophet, went, talked to God, and said, came back and said, you got that granted. Why was that wish granted? Because Hezekiah did what God had told him. He kept the statutes. He kept the commandments. He ruled in that fashion, unlike the majority of the kings that Israel and Judah had. And so his days were prolonged because he was obedient and did those things. Again, this is a lesson we can learn. Second Samuel 23, for all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. That's what we need to do. And the way you're going to do that, now, if you're like me, I'm not sure how to put this, but shall we say, uh, kind of going up in age, sometimes our memory kind of fades from us a little bit, just a little bit. So how do we keep those judgments before me? We read the Bible every day, all right? There's so much in the Bible that at some point we're probably forgetting maybe one little thing. So if we want to know what those judgments are in terms of the statutes and how to follow them, we need to make sure we read the Bible so we're always mindful. Uh, one of the other verses, I don't know if, if we'll get to it today, it uses the word meditate. That's what we need to do. We meditate on those statutes, laws, and commandments so that they be just become a, a part of our everyday life. 1 Kings 2, 3, And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to walk or to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as written in the law of Moses, that they mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Now, again, here, here's an example where statutes and commandments are used in the same verse. And again, you're going to see that pattern throughout all this presentation in all the uh, Old Testament. But notice again what's in red. Prosper. You're going to prosper. Now, how are you going to prosper? I don't know. I can't tell you that. Because I don't know what you're going through or what the, you know, the factors that you're having to deal with. But whatever it is, at some point in time, you're going to prosper. You know, how it how that form that it takes i i can't answer but god has the answers all right he's going to be able to prosper you in a manner that if you let him is the most beneficial for you see i want to prosper i want to do well but i want that prosperity as best as I can do it, to be within the context of the guidelines of what God has determined is best for me. All right? And also, I think it's interesting, it says, whithersoever thou turnest thyself. So I think it's also telling us it doesn't matter what direction you go. Um, God's going to be there to help you. He's going to be there to help you to prosper and whatever that direction is, 
But you have a responsibility, okay? You got a responsibility. Look at the first half. To keep the charge, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments. And you'll notice another pattern. At the first of most of these verses, something to those words are always there before the benefits occur. All right? The cause, again, is charge, walk in the ways, keep. But the effect is prosperity. And wherever you, whatever direction you go, you're going to prosper. 2 Kings 3.14, If thou wilt walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. Now, this is just another verse that uh, mimics a couple of verses we just saw. But again, the cause, walk in my ways, keep my statutes and commandments. The result, I will lengthen thy days. And here's two verses that talk about it. So I think it's pretty evident that if you want to lengthen your days, you got to make sure you're with the Lord. Now, this is a little bit different. The next, I think two of the next three slides deal with this subject. Wherefore, the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I command thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and give it to thy servant. Now, so far, I, everything's been pretty positive, hasn't it? You get the long days. You're, you're going to prosper wherever you, whichever direction you go. But see, sometimes we forget there's also consequences. And sometimes those consequences are not good. All right, here's an example of that. Wherefore, all right, so notice the words, and thou has not kept my covenant and my statutes. So now we're looking at it from the prospect of the opposite direction. So what happens if you don't keep the statutes and don't keep the laws? In the case here, basically Psalms said, you're going to lose your kingdom. Now, that's a pretty good consequence. He now, and he did lose the kingdom. You know, remember David, he committed a sin with Bathsheba, right? What happened after that? Well, the baby died, but what happened to David after that? From that point on, almost from the, that point on until his death, he was in constant war. There was, he was either fighting his own children for control of the kingdom, or he had foreign invaders coming right and left time after time. There are consequences to actions. I don't know why people don't see it. I don't know why this nation doesn't see it, but they sure don't. Because look at what's happening. There are consequences to your actions, and you need to make sh wake up and make sure you understand it. All right? And here again, Solomon is going to lose his kingdom because he did not do those things. All right. 
And it shall be if thou will hearken unto all I command thee and will walk in my ways and do that is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as David my servant did, then I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee. I don't remember if this is the, the uh, prophet talking to Solomon, uh, but the point still remains the same. He's saying as long as whoever that ruler is keeps the God's commandments and statutes, he keeps his kingdom. It is the direct opposite of the previous verse, isn't it? So we now we see what the negative effect of not following, but now we see the positive effect. That kingship is going to stay with that ruler as long as he keeps walking my ways and keep my statutes. I'm telling you, if you want to have good things happen in your life, then you need, you need to constantly try as best you can to keep those laws, to keep those statutes. Here's another verse that shows us, hey, you're going to have good things happen to you. Here's 2 Kings 17, 15. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant and that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed vainly and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them. They should not do like them. Who thinks this applies today? Yeah. See... We're, American is sometimes called a melting pot. And that's not bad. You know, it's not bad to have diversity. But when it gets to the point where the people are following customs and rules that are contrary to God, then that's bad. And he's point blank saying, you don't go and do what they do. All right? And I like the word vanity here. They became vain. They became vain in their own selves, didn't they? They did that back when Moses came down from the mountain after getting Ten Commandments. What happened? The, he finds his people worshiping a golden calf. They went back and reverted to the ways of the people they were around prior to them leaving Egypt. We're not supposed to be like those around us. We're not supposed to follow teachings and laws that are contrary to what we find in the Bible. That's just the reality of it. Pure and simple. You see some more of the loophole there? I'm going to tell you in a second, just in case you haven't. Again, 2 Kings 17, 19. Also, Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord thy God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. It didn't say which God made, does it? It says what they made. They decided they knew best. They knew what they needed, that God didn't know what he was talking about. And so they went after their ways, not God's way. And there's the loophole right there. 
All these things I've talked to you about in terms of being positive are totally going to happen because you followed God's laws, statutes, and commandments, not man. And brothers and sisters, I, let me give you a little wake-up call in case you haven't had it. The fact of the matter is the days are going to come. The days are going to come when there are going to be laws made by our legislation, by our le governing bodies, where you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to follow them or do I keep God's law? And trust me, if you keep God's law, you're going to pay a price. But you know what? I'd rather pay the price of man than the price of God. All right? Rather pay the price. Because man can only do something to us while we're on this earth. God can do something to us that lasts forever. Forever. But that day is coming. And it's, uh, what was it? I don't know if y'all saw this. There was an organ, uh, meeting, I, I want to go world, I think the initials were W-E-H, over in Europe. Thank you. And you know what? I don't know if y'all, I never saw this uh, in the news. One of the proposals was a, a, and hopefully I get this right, an environmental awareness score. And if you did not score high enough, then you would be restricted in your travels. You would be restricted in where you could go and stuff like that. All right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. China's already started implementing this stuff so you don't think what I just said ain't going to happen? Again, we have to walk in the statues which God made, which they did not make. Uh, okay, I'm going to do one more on statutes. Ezra 7.10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the Lord of the Lord and do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Are you preparing your heart? I said this earlier. How do you prepare your heart? Well, prayer, that's a good factor. But hey, guess what? How are you going to do God's laws, statutes, commandments if you don't know what they are? You got to know what they are first, right? How do you find it? Well, there's the most, the authority is the Bible. It's the Bible. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to just skip some of these. Where do they go? Because I want to, there we go. I want to also, in the time remaining, I also want to cover part of this. I may go back to some of the statutes. Laws. Oh, and by the way, uh, the images you see here, they, I didn't do those. One of our church members did, and trust me, he did a great job, great job, and he makes my presentations look a lot better because let's face it, mine are kind of bland, really, as far as visual effects. What are laws? The system of rules which a particular country or community recognizes as regulating the actions of its members, which it may enforce, notice this, by the imposition of a penalty. All right? 
Second uh, is a statement of fact. And, well, there's another word for two words for this whole thing. Let me read it. Statement of fact deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomena always occurs if certain conditions are present. Why haven't I been talking about cause and effect so far? Same thing. That definitely fits in this second one. The two letter, two words that boil this down is called common sense. And oh my gosh, we don't have it this time, at this day and age. We we just don't have common sense. I I remember there was a a judge. This happened years ago, but I thought it was very telling. Back then and even now, there was a judge who had a copy of the Ten Commandments on the walls of his courtroom. He was forced to take them down because they promoted, it violated the principle of separation of church and state. It happened in Georgia. And I saw that. I was like, just how stupid are, are we? The whole system of Western law is based on the Ten Commandments, pure and simple. All these laws we have takes their origin from the commandments found in the Ten Commandments. So how in the world are we going to get rid of those when they form the basis of our whole legal system? It's sheer stupidity, ignorance, and dumbness. And a few other words, which I'm in church, I can't say. Genesis 26.5, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, I don't have the result, but I wanted to put this in because here we have commandments, statutes, and laws all in one verse. All right? What, but we do know what happened to Abraham. Because he did keep the statutes, the laws, he became the father of a nation. Right? He birthed a whole nation. That's what happens when he obeyed the laws. Now, what happens for you? I don't know. But I know if, if we look at our previous verses, it's going to be good things. We're going to be good things. When they have a manner, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. How are we to look at the actions of other people? Through the statutes of God's and his laws. And I'm not saying you just, if you see someone doing something wrong, you don't go, I'm not saying you just go up and get in their face and point it in the finger, you did wrong, you, you need to repent, you know, you, you shouldn't do that. No, there's a way to do it. But the point is, we follow the statutes of God and the laws of God. Exodus eighteen twenty, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Here's those words again, that word again, teach. Teach, yes. Teach is not a four-letter word. It's a good word, and we are supposed to do it. This is like the fourth time we've seen this so far this morning. So don't you think there's something to it? If we keep seeing it show up. And those ordinances and laws, they're not man's laws. It's God's laws. I'm not saying be civil disobedient. If you say, oh, God said not do it. I mean, again, you got to use a little common sense. 
All right, but we, sh- but just understand that sometimes God's laws are not the same as man's, and we're going to have to make a decision who we're going to follow, and be willing to deal with the consequences, whether they be good or bad. Hey, David, what slide am I on? Which one? All right. Ezra seven twenty five, And thou, Israel, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thy hand, set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach ye them that know them not. Again, now here, uh, Israel has become so populous with that the leaders just were running out of time to hear the people. And so to help them, they set up a system where they had magistrates and judges to help them to judge the matters of the people. But notice again, what is the basis of those judgments? Laws of thy God, not a man of God. That's, Again, what we should follow as best as we possibly can. And again, I know I sound like a broken record here, but be willing to take the consequences if they're bad by, if we do that. Because again, you need God's favor. You need to favor the man that hung on this cross a lot more than man's. All right, Nehemiah 9.13. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments, true laws, good statutes, and commandments. And again, here's these three words, but those words came down from Mount Sinai. Well, who gave the laws at Mount Sinai? It was God. That's whose laws we're supposed to be following to the best of our ability. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. They have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and broken the everlasting covenant. See, when you violate the laws of God, you're violating, I submit to you, nature itself. Those laws are there for a purpose. They're there to help us live. They're there so, again, as I said at the first, that it deepens, strengthens, and makes stronger the relationship that we have with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you're going to break them, that means you're breaking the covenant. Now, in Isaiah, it's specifically talking about the Jews And God's promise to keep them in their own land, keep them safe and secure, right? Again, this is Old Testament. But the principle is the same. I submit to you the principle is the same. If we're going to transgress God's laws and commandments and break the covenant, whatever that covenant may be that you have between God and yourself, it's not going to be good. 
It's not going to be good. All right, we've got time for a couple more. Ezekiel, there's, I'm going to do this one, then there's one in Jeremiah I want to go back to. If they all be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form in the house and the fashion thereof and the goings out thereof and the comings in thereof and all the forms thereof and all the ordinances thereof and all the laws thereof and write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. The reason I wanted to put this in, look at what's in red. All. See, you're not, you can't be selective, my brothers and sisters. Just because you don't like something that God told you or you don't like something that's written in the Bible doesn't give you don't have the liberty of saying well i don't like that so i'm not going to do it that word all means exactly what it says all they're all there we are all supposed to follow them as best we can yeah we're going to falter and fail we're human beings so that sin nature sooner or later is going to come out and we need to understand that but it doesn't stop us from trying as best we can, to follow all the laws, commandments, and statutes of God. Just because we know our nature is going to have us fail, it doesn't stop us from trying. And if you do, then you're setting yourself up for trouble. i got time for one more. I want to see if there's one from Jeremiah. I'm a big fan of the book of Jeremiah. And I know it's in here. I just saw it. Yeah, I think I'm going to end with this one. Jeremiah 44, 23. Because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in his law or in his statutes or his testimony, therefore this evil has happened unto you at this day. you gone through bad times? Well, don't sit there and say, well, God, you did this. You're doing this to me, and this is unfair, and th you need to do something about it. No, maybe you need to do something about what you're doing that's causing this to happen in the first place. People, I, I, it just amazes me how people do not want to accept con their responsibility for their own actions. And that is what we certainly as Christians have to do. We need to be responsible enough that if we to first try our effort to follow them, and if we don't and things start going south on us, then we need to sit down in prayer, read the Bible, and try to see, is it something we did? Is it something we said? Is it something, action we took that we deep down knew was against God's statutes, laws, and commandments? Because if it is, there's your problem. And ain't him, it's here. It's us. All right. Well, I have run out of time. Uh, I'm supposed to teach again on the 12th. And I'll conclude. I'll, I'll finish up with uh, uh, laws. And then we'll move to commandments. You notice how much is in the Old Testament? Kind of points out what the graph was saying at the start. But I promise you, there are some New Testament verses. But 
again, the majority of the, when you look at commandments, the majority of them are found to a large degree in the New Testament. So we'll be looking at some New Testament verses. So with that, we will finish this portion of the service. Uh, for those online, we're going to be taking a, about a 15-minute break. We will start again at 10.30 with praise and worship. And uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you in 15. All right, now what time is it? He's like, what time is it? Time for praise and worship. Well, hallelujah. All right, let's stand up. Let's spread out. Let's get this going. Hallelujah. Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords, you are worthy to be praised. Let it be a sweet song into your ear, Father God. You are worthy. Lord, we love you so much. Get us out of our comfort zone. Get our eyes and mind focused on you, Lord, and our hearts right in the name of Jesus. You hold my very moments. You call my raging seas. You walk with me through fire and heal all my disease. I trust in you. I trust in you. Cause I believe you're my healer. I believe you're more all that I need. Yes, Lord. And I believe you're my trust in you. I trust in you. Cause I believe you're my
a banner that flies across this land that all men might see the truth and know that he runs away to heaven we want to see jesus lifted high a banner that flies across this land that all men might see the truth and know that he is the way to heaven we want to see we want to see we want to see Jesus lifted. Let me see your hands. Come on. We want to see. We want to see. We want to see Jesus lifted high. Hallelujah. We want to see Jesus lifted high. A banner that flies across this land That all men might see the truth and know That He is the way to heaven We want to see Jesus lifted high Come on, let me see your banners That all men might see the truth and know That He is the way to heaven We want to see, we want to see we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. Now let me see your feet. Step by step we're moving forward. Little by little we're taking ground. Every pair of powerful weapons, strongholds come tumbling down and down and down and down. Hey! Are you guys free? That's what I'm talking about. We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see. We want to see. We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see. We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see Jesus lifted high. Across this land, that all men might see the truth and know He is the way to heaven. We wanna see Jesus lifted high, a banner that flies across this land, that all men might see the truth and know that He is the way to heaven. We wanna see, we wanna see. We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, 
We want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, come on, we want to see Jesus lifted want to see Jesus lifted high. Amen. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty? Shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in all and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all peace. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. 
Christ is real. 
The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So come.
Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak your holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over Whoa. 
Lord, for this time we can come and worship your great and mighty name. Lord, help us to get out of our comfort zones around others so we can take it home and we can worship you on a deeper and a higher level and know that you are true and you are worthy to be praised. In the name of Jesus, amen. felt the anointing of God. Thank you, praise team. You bring in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I want to say something about our praise praise and worship. Come on up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, but I want to thank our worship team. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I'm telling you, in a realm of a spirit, our praise team went up to a different level. You, you, you sense this or not? Oh my gosh. You know, the, that praise and worship is warfare. And I'm telling you, our praise team went up to another level. And I'm telling you, and that is awesome because when presence is stronger, he moved more mightily. And this is what I've been noticing, and I, I'm just so thankful. Don't, you know, individually, our praise team, but as a whole, it's corporate anointing. It's, it's elevated. So I want to Thank you guys. Thank, praise the Lord. And the, when they come to worship, we need to engage. And the devil comes, try to take our thoughts away from the true worship and give you all these thoughts, your opinions. The, either, either you like the music or not. You start uh, thinking your problems and all that. But when we become one unity, in a listening worship, it brings different anointing. And we want that. That's when God moves. That's when Holy Spirit moves. When we are separated in worship, Holy Spirit wants to move, but he can't not move because we're hindering him. So I want to encourage all of us, because I bet I fight the same battle you do. So we need to do that, okay? So praise God for that. Stay here, Sunni. Give, give her the mic. You're going to pray for me. Oh. Does it look like you're seeing double today? <laughs> you got double for your trouble? <laughs> you put us in a bag, shake us up. Who's coming out first? You never know. Me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This, this is um, not my referee shirt. This is Sunni shirt it's a prophet shirt and the reason I say that is because prophets see in black and white anyway would you pray for me Mrs. Sure, Young sure Father God we praise you and we worship you for who you are Lord 
Lord, don't let anybody see us, but let, uh, let everybody see you, Jesus. Use him today and not his persuasive word that I know he's been preparing, but Holy Spirit, just take him over and do what you want to do with him. And I ask you to anoint him. <coughs> and is anything in his heart is not of you, we rebuke it now in the name of Jesus. We ask you to purify it and let you be glorified today. And let the, everybody receive what Holy Spirit is teaching them today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. How do you like Mrs. Young's shirt? She looks cute, doesn't she? It's a prophet shirt, black and white, no gray. <laughs> I've been wanting to teach this message for a long, long time. Um, covenant marriage, I think we had that message brought by Barb here a while back, right? Come up and coming then. Where's my? Here it is. The clicker. I need my. All I need is my clicker. The covenant marriage. Let's just say this is Joseph and this is Mary. This is actually the scripture here is Abraham speaking to his servant. He's trying to find a wife for Isaac. And so <clears throat> Abraham speaking. The Lord whom I walk, before whom I walk, will send his angel with thee to prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife, it didn't say a girlfriend, or you'll get engaged, and then later on you'll be married. It says, you're going to take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. So he sent him out, and you can read that story in Genesis. It explains how that th this is an arranged marriage. So I want to talk about Joseph and Mary and their marriage. Oh, there they are, the young couple in love. Yeah, Suni used to look at me like that. <laughs> we got. You still do. We, we got two recliners at our house uh, when we're sitting in the living room, and there's a little stand where we put our coffee and drinks on it. And I keep telling her, you're too far away. We need to get a love seat so I can come closer and pick on you. And she goes, no, no. But here's the young couple in love. This story, <clears throat> you know, we have in the church a lot of, uh, traditions of men. Danny talked about that today. You've got God's word, which is, it doesn't change. It's forever settled in heaven. And many times we break the scriptures by believing traditions of men. So uh, you probably, <clears throat> you know, put your stones down. Don't stone me today for what I'm about to say. But I'm going to tell you a story a little bit different than probably what you've been told. We're going to talk about a Jewish wedding. It's different than Western marriages. Totally different. These are old-fashioned uh, marriages. 
And here you can see a picture of a groom and a bride, the Jewish wedding. They were arranged marriages. Now, Western civilization doesn't understand arranged marriages, but even Sunni talks to me about the tradition of uh, the kings of Korea would have arranged marriages. And they still do this. You just don't hear about it that often. But your elite, the 13 Illuminati bloodlines, they actually are fairly inbred because they keep it in the family, so to speak. They're arranged marriages. But the Hebrews lived in an arranged married culture. And you can read about Samson when he wanted to, you know, have his father um, get him a wife. He goes, go get me this girl. Well, that's what Joseph said. Pop, look at this little sweet thing over here. I want you to go get her for my wife. And then the two fathers would come together and they would cut a deal. I'll say it that way. They make a marriage contract. They would arrange the marriage. And you'll see this in scripture. Now, here we have the two fathers making an arranged marriage for the maid. Amen? So the first step in this is called the betrothal. Now, what we say in Western civilization is, I'm engaged. So we give them an engagement ring, and then you have a period of time. And then you have the marriage, the wedding. But the Jewish wedding betrothal, once you're betrothed, let me back up. Once, once the two fathers make this deal and you're betrothed, it's done. You're married. Now, they don't consummate the marriage yet, but as far as legally binding, they're married. So they enter into a formal agreement, contracting, well, here's what betrothal means, contracting to anyone for a future marriage as the father or guardian. This is what happened in Genesis when uh, Abraham said to his servant, go get me a wife. So he made a contract and then she said yes and they gave jewels and eventually she came back uh, to their camp with Isaac. But they contracted with a guardian or a servant for a future wife as the intended husband. And this is called the ketubah. This is a marriage contract. They actually lay it out. Here's what's going to happen. Joseph and Mary are going to be married. And once they sign this thing, I probably can't read this, but down here it says, all the above here, all this is valid and binding. You put your name on that, you are married. Totally different than an engagement in America. So that's called the ketubah. Joseph says to Pop, Eli, go get me this girl. They, two fathers arrange it. They get them together. They make the ketubah. They sign it. They're married. <clears throat> so that's in Genesis I was talking to you about with Isaac and uh, Abraham. Song of Songs, Judges, you can look it up. Check it out later. Several passages refer to the negotiations required for the arranging of a marriage. They had uh, 
I don't think I'm going to talk about it today, but they had what they call in there the bride price, so you would give gifts, and uh, you know you might give two camels or ten cows or whatever, and you know there it was all in the contract in the ketubah in the marriage contract, which were conducted by members of the two families involved or their deputies, and usually required the consent of the prospective bride. Now in um, Isaac's wife. Uh, Rebecca, right? She did say yes. So some of this stuff I'm assuming <clears throat> they didn't always say yes because it's arranged. But in uh, Isaac's case, Rebecca said yes. But when the agreement had been entered into, it was definite and binding. They were as good as married upon both the groom and bride who were considered as man and wife, not man and girlfriend or man and engaged person, man and wife, in all legal, this is legal, and religious spirit. <clears throat> they just didn't cohabitate yet. So there you go. You sign that, you get married. Done deal. <clears throat> In strict accordance with rabbinical law, declares that the betrothal is equivalent to an actual marriage and only to be dissolved by a formal divorce. So once you sign that, you can't change your mind unless you go to the lawyer and get yourself a divorce. Amen? You're married. They are officially married, and then here's what happens. They separate. I put in about a year. could be less or more, uh, but they separate before they actually consummate the marriage. So, let's see this next slide here. I guess this is showing Nazareth. Let's, let's give a little history here. So, here's a picture of Old Testament Nazareth, which was not a very big town. So, think thousands of years ago. You know, Israel's homes are flat-top roofs. So Nazareth is a small town, population around 450 homes. So that means if you count mom and dad and six kids, how many would live in a house, comes out to 400 people. Not a very big town, right? When you live in a town that small in your community, Old Testament, everybody knows everybody, they know their business, right? If they're squabbling, you know about it. If there's dirt on somebody, dirty laundry, everybody knows about it, right? You can't keep no secrets in a town like this in a small... It's not like today where they're all on Facebook and Twitter. No, they went to the town well and got their water, and they, they were a community. This is how they operated. Probably Joseph and Mary were born in Nazareth. Probably they would have grown up together, probably even went to school together. And this is different than the story you've been told because we've been told that Joseph was old and Mary was like 12, 13, 14, right? They're, I don't believe that. I think they were pretty close. So me and Sunni are about, what, nine months apart? Something like that? They're, we're close. And they're probably married in their late teens. Uh, I don't think you've heard that before. 
um, they probably knew each other all their life. Second step of the marriage. So <clears throat> Joseph says, Dad, look at that. I've got to have that. I can't live without it. I want you to go get my wife. So Joseph's dad and Mary's dad draw up the marriage contract called the ketubah. After they've done that, they meet for a formal meal. They ratify the contract. And while they're having their formal meal, they read the contract. You get this many camels. I'm going to give you this many pounds of gold. And if you got land, they break it down. Here's, here's what we're going to do, and here's what you're going to do. So they read it. They ratify it. So here, here you have a Jewish. Um, they're having dinner. They ratify the marriage contract. And so at that time, Joseph would give the love gifts. He would give what we call the bride price. The family drinks ceremonial wine together, several glasses. They're having a partay. <laughs> and the groom pours a cup of wine for the bride. Why does the groom pour a cup of wine for the bride? When she drinks from the cup, it's the same thing as what we do, is do you take this man to be your husband? I do. So when she drank the wine, it was as good as saying, I accept. I accept. Yes, I will. And then they're betrothed, which means they are now married. So there you have, she said yes. She said yes. There's me and Suni. This one was a tough nut to crack. It took me seven years. We've been together 30 years. Well, we've been married 30 years. We've been together 37 years. It took me seven years to crack the nut. I was persistent. She was a hard, she was a hard nut to crack. You made me work for it, Suni. <laughs> but finally, she said, I do. Okay, when does this happen? I say it happens in the spring. Um, sometime around Passover. So technically they're married in the spring. They just haven't come together yet. What happens after you've done all of that, no, this is a prophetic picture here. <clears throat> Joseph goes back home to his father's house to build what they call the hoopah, or the marriage chamber. He's going to make an addition, see? You got like 12 sons. Your sons are going to build 12 additions onto your house. And then when they marry, they bring their wife back, and that's their compound. Okay? <laughs> Boy, I'm popping here. So Joseph leaves to go build the hoop, but Mary goes back home to her father's house. And she waits for the groom to come and steal her away in the middle of the night. You see a yes. picture coming here? Yeah. You know, they call us the bride of Christ, right? Even though I'm a man, there's no male, no female in the spirit realm. I'm a bride of Christ. Amen. And you're a bride of Christ. And we have a groom that's going to come back for us later. Amen? Amen. And we're going to have a wedding supper. <clears throat> Okay, how do we know this? 
John 14, 2 and 3. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. Okay, well, we read it like that, but what if it would say... What if it would say, in my Father's house, there are many hoopas? Okay, Jesus is preparing a place for us. It says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. We're the bride. He's getting it ready, right? We're going to have a big party one of these days with our groom. Jesus Christ, amen? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, that you may be also. You know, those are nice fancy words, but what it means is, I'm going to marry you. You're my wife. I'm your husband. We're going to make beautiful music together for all eternity. Amen? Amen. So, the groom takes her to the wedding chamber. This is after, you know, they do the... Midnight cry, he comes and gets her in the middle of the night. Then he takes her back to the hoopah, and they consummate the marriage. Now, I know you've been told that that didn't happen. See, Mary had a virgin conception, but she did not have a virgin birth, and I will explain that to you. Oh, let's answer this question. See, I, I really wanted to settle this once and for all. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but when was Jesus conceived? Anybody got an idea? Anybody care to guess? December. December 25th, right? <laughs> okay, here's a hint. What's, what do you think is going on? Hanukkah. Yeah, Festival of Lights. Now, this is not a biblical feast. But the Jews celebrate it. Okay, so Mary and Joseph did the betrothal, which means they were married in the spring. The rest of that year goes past, eight or nine months past. Now it's December at the Festival of the Lights at Hanukkah. What do you think happens? Well, here's what I think happened. Luke 1.35 says, And the angel answered, and said unto her, Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee in the power of the highest, El Elyon, the highest God, shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, just get this picture. See, Peter, when he walked down the sidewalk, the shadow fell on people and they got healed, right? That's a power transfer. So the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and there was a power transfer. You know, she was not pregnant, but now the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. She's pregnant, but she's never known a man, right? This is called virgin conception. Here you go. You're going to be pregnant with the Son of God. You're going to have a biscuit in the oven. We got some out here, I think, and they've delivered we're building our church one at a time, right? <laughs> you got to get this picture. Now, here's another uh, thing that I believe that Mary was not publicly discovered, which is against what a lot of you have been taught. And I'll tell you why. So the Holy Ghost shows up on Hanukkah, 
um, says you're going to have a child of God, and she's never known a man. So after that, she leaves town. Where does she go? Elizabeth. You guys are so smart. I think they've been reading the answers. Mary leaves Nazareth, goes to Judea, visits her cousin Elizabeth for about three months, January, February, and March. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is born. Mary returns back to Nazareth just in time. Joseph finishes the hoopa. And Eli, Joseph's father, says, son. Oh, Zechariah. Eli is Mary's husband. Sorry. Thank you, Mrs. Young. One point for you. (laughs) He goes, the hoop is done. because no one knows the day or the hour but the father. The father says, you're released. Go get your bride. Then they do the nuptials, they marry, they finish it, and they leave for Nazareth. Here we go. Joseph says, the hoop is done. Go get your bride. What happens then? Joseph gets the boys together, his groomsmen, with drums and trumpets and shouting. Do we have a picture of that in the Bible somewhere? And steals away his bride in the middle of the night. And here you got the drum and the trumpet. And they're blowing the trumpet on. Feast of trumpets. Behold, the bridegroom comes. And so they're making a bunch of racket. No, everybody knew this was going to happen. This was Jewish custom tradition. They knew the boys were going to show up at dark and, you know, beat the drum, blow the trumpet. But he steals. It only took me seven years to steal Mrs. Young. (laughs) Joseph and Mary do the nuptials. They're married. Now they consummate the marriage, which I know that you have not been told this. But they go into the hoopah seven days. Different than our honeymoon, right? They're not seen. You know, they close the door. Nobody sees these guys for a week. Kind of like when we went to uh, Cambodia. We didn't take the jab, so they quarantined us, locked us up in the motel room, and we were there for seven days. So nobody sees them. This is why I'm saying Mary wasn't publicly discovered. They were... You know, they didn't know. She's only three, four months pregnant at the time. But they're inside. This is a perfect time for Mary to spill the beans and say, guess what, Joe? (laughs) Guess what? So it was done in private. She was four months or less. This is why I say she's not discovered. So here she is. Um, Honey, I got to tell you something. Has anybody had to do that? Not like this, but... Mrs. Young sat me down one day and says, i got to tell you something. Well, that's what's going on here. And I'm always throwing in a bit of humor. A little bit of a donkey punch. Are you kidding me, right? The Holy Ghost, really? You think they believe that? I mean, we're spirit-filled, but what do you think they... What do you think Joseph thought? He's in the hoopah. This is my time. I'm pregnant. Oh, my God. So he's mad. 
He's really mad. Okay, some scripture. Matthew 1, 18 and 20. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused as Joseph before they came together. Okay? This is a virgin conception. She, the Holy Ghost overshadowed her before they came together. You know what it means when it says they came together, right? We're talking about sex here. The two become one flesh. This is what you haven't been taught. She was found pregnant with a holy child Jesus. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. In other words, I'm going to divorce you. That's what he's thinking. You're pregnant. You're my wife. We've never consummated this, and you're pregnant. I've had it. We're gonna, I'm going to do a divorce, but I'll do it silent, privately. So, you know, get out of my face. That's what's going on. Now, so instead of consummating the marriage, he lays down and goes to sleep. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. So see, Mary had the angel come to her. Now the angel is coming to Joseph. There we go. Angel visit. And the angel said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is the Holy Ghost. Now, you see that where it says, take unto thee your wife? What do you think that means? It's okay to marry her? That's not what the angel is saying. You know, when you read in Scripture, they took a wife, they're consummating a sexual union. So after the angel visit, Joseph and Mary consummate the wedding, the marriage. You've never heard that before. Anybody in here ever heard that before? No. One? No. no. Nobody. I'm telling you, this is, I wanted to do this for a long time. You don't have to believe me. Don't hit me with rocks, but this is the way I think it went down. Okay, they consummate. Bada boom, bada bing. Fireworks, Mrs. Young? <laughs> okay, now why? Why do I think this? Well, let's look back here in Deuteronomy 22, 20 through 21. This is a bed sheet. You know, in America, we don't think about this type of stuff. But this is Papa. This is a bride and the groom, Joseph and Mary. And here's the elders of the city. It says, if this thing is true, that the tokens of virginity, okay, what are the tokens of virginity? It's the bed sheets. Once they consummate the marriage, if you're not a virgin, they're going to be clean like this. But if you're a virgin, they're going to have blood on them, right? You know, the male circumcises on eight days. There's blood. The woman consummates the marriage. There's blood. So they're both, so to speak, circumcised. That is the tokens of virginity. And if you didn't have that, then they would stone you. Let's see what this next slide is. So again, I say Mary was not publicly discovered. So let's talk about this for a little bit. 
So they consummate the marriage. They go into the hoopah. They're not seen for seven days. After the first night, the next morning, the groom would come up and knock on the door. And Joseph and Mary would not be seen, but they would take the bedsheet and hand it outside the door, and then he would show that she was a virgin, token of virginity, proof. This is why nobody knew what was going on except her and Joseph. Amen? So they proved it. Now that that's done, what are they going to do? They can't stay there. Everybody knows them, right? And anybody that's had morning sickness, you know, in a town of 50 people, the old ladies, they're going to know, hey, she's pregnant. She's throwing up, right? They're going to know. They can't stay there. they got to split. So they leave immediately after the seven days that nobody's seen them. They come out of the hoopoe. They split. They go and leave Nazareth, and they go to Bethlehem. Why did they do that? Well, the prophecy that both had two angels say, what's inside of you is the Holy, the Holy Ghost is the Son of God. I'm sure they knew the prophecy that Jesus had to be born in Nazareth or Bethlehem. So they split for Bethlehem. And so they leave here, go on down through Jerusalem, and right there, they wind up in Bethlehem. Nobody knew them. You know, all they know is here, here's a young married couple. We don't know, you know, when they got married. They don't know him. So she was never, ever discovered. They don't know him there. Okay, you may not agree with this either, but I say, this is Pastor Lou speaking, Jesus was born on September 11th at the Feast of Shofars when they're blowing the trumpet, prepare ye the way of the Lord, Make your path straight. There's a new king coming, announcing the birth of Jesus Christ, the king of kings and lord of lords. So I say Jesus was born on September 11th. It's free for what you paid for it. Take it or leave it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I believe this is the end. It is the end. So I hope you like that. Um, I wanted to teach this for a long time. I want to teach it uh, at Christmas. We know Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. That's my story. Um, so stick around. We got the best chili cook-off in the entire world. Somebody's going. Yes, let me pray for the food. Father, we bless the chili. Don't do what I did last year. I ate a lot of chili. And boy, did I pay for it later. I had a big belly ache. So uh, I'm not going to do that this year. But we bless the food in Jesus' name, Lord. And may the best chili win. And if anybody wants prayer, come on up here, and we will pray for you. Thank you for coming. Bless you all.